we've been going through the series called Hallmarks of Our Faith. So um, Stuart um, has spoken to us. Last week wasn't the, um, the part of that series, but it was actually, it was great last week, wasn't it? Just a hearing what the Lord is doing uh, among us and through us, in us. It was very encouraging to hear all the amazing ministries that we have. And um, again, that if anyone is stirred up to take part in any of the ministries of the church life, just do let us know, do Stuart know, let um, Helen know. So we'd love to have more of you. So um, now, before we carry on and uh, into our subject, we're just going to pray for ourselves because we know it's the best way just to prepare our hearts and for the Word of God. And so, uh, it's my favorite scripture, one of my favorite scriptures from Ephesians 1, 17 to 19. So we're going to change the use and stuff to us, okay? So we're praying for ourselves, all right? Um, at 3, we'll start together. At 2, 3. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that we may know him better. I pray that the eyes of our hearts may be enlightened in order that we may know the hope to which he has called us, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. Amen. So may the Lord just, well, it's, it's been my prayer all, um, all along, just, uh, you know, whatever I say, that's, not everything may be, you know, applicable to you, but I mean, something, a word from God will uh, touch your heart. So, um, and, um, and Stuart was two weeks ago when he was preaching, he was preaching on uh, love. You know, because we've been going through things that remain, things that are trustworthy and true. So he has uh, spoke about faith, um, hope, and love. And two weeks ago when he was talking, he was saying, well, what I'm going to say, it's not going to be new, but uh, I hope that he said that it was going to be now, which I think I, I really like that, because what I'm going to share today, it's not going to be new. I'm sure you heard many, many sermons on the subject that I'm just going to talk about today. But really my hope and my prayer is it will be now. So it will make sense. It will just bring a little light bulb as you are listening and your spirit will be lightened. That's my prayer. That's my hope. So, um, and uh, well, as we were talking about that, you know, when Stuart mentioned that we were going to talk about how about the hallmarks of our faith, and and he was talking about faith, hope, and love, which is absolutely amazing. And uh, but the very first thing came to me as our hallmark is the Bible, the Word of God. So now I can see you're nodding. So this is. This is probably your 110th uh, sermon that you listened um, over your lifetime on Word of God. So uh, I really need to take refuge in God and just really just make this a bit interesting, a bit um, helpful for us all. And um, so 
But I believe the Bible is really the indispensable part of Christianity. There is, the Word of God is foundational. So we're just going to look, about, look um, through um, some of the things. And it's uh, the Bible itself talks so much about the importance of the Word of God. And I have, um, oh, yeah, let's be past this, the Bible. So I would like um, to, um, you know, just use Psalm 119 today. And in fact, you, you all have this piece of paper, right? That's if you don't. But anyway, these are all verses from uh, Psalm 119. As you may have known, Psalm 119 is the longest chapter in the Bible, and, um, and it's the longest psalm also. Um, in every, word, every verse in Psalm 119 talks about the Word of God, and it uses many different terminology. It says sometimes... Um, statues or laws, I don't know, have a look in your um, um, verse, you know, what word it's been used. And it's also, it's an acrostic psalm, which means it goes every, uh, every eight um, stanza starts with the, the one of the Hebrew's letter. And Hebrew has 22 um, letters, 22, 8 makes 176 verses. They all talk about the, about the Word of God, which this psalm shows us what the Word of God is. And um, as I'm starting this, um, my sermon now, what I'm going to do, I'm going to put this on. It's going to go through the, all 70, 176 verses. I won't be using the uh, overhead projector, but it's, 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 it's going to reel through um, all the verses. So well, some people suggested they might be distracted, but I don't believe, I hope that's a good distraction. The Word of God, it will distract us in a good way. So if anything speaks to you, then praise God for those verses just displaying behind me. So and um, so the, in 100 and, uh, Psalm 119, we see what the Word of God is, what the Word of God does for us and to us, and how should we walk in the light of the Word, and benefits of knowing the Word, and fruits of uh, walking in the truth of the Word. Don't worry, I'm not going to go through verse, verse by verse. In fact, I won't be talking about Psalm 119 anymore, except just to say, in Jesus' days, this portion of Scripture, the Psalm 119, was the first verses that the children, the young uh, children who attend the synagogue, to memorize. What a cruel people, huh? They didn't choose something, I don't know, Psalm 23 or something. It's easy to remember, isn't it? Psalm 119 with 176 verses. So that is what the, the children in Jesus' day um, who did it. And it was, a, um, it was written by David, King David. Well, I don't want to talk about the importance of the Word of God because I have no doubt we all know how important the Word of God is. And in fact, rarely 
a Christian who reads his or her Bible consistently on a regular basis feels spiritually dried up. It's, it's very rare. It's just if you're really reading your, uh, your, reading your Bible and just interacting, and it's, a, it's something just to keep you alive. But think about it. If there was no Bible, if there was no Bible, we wouldn't know, we wouldn't have known how the world was created. We would have no idea. And then the scientists and give us lots of ideas nowadays, but we wouldn't know, we wouldn't have known how God created everything. We wouldn't have known about the, the worldwide flood. And these these events were written down by Moses and who was inspired by the Holy Spirit. Well, you might say, well, if it wasn't written down, it could have come down in an oral tradition. The stories would have been told, which, you know, many old uh, ancient stories have been told over the centuries. And, um, well, the thing is, that wouldn't be reliable. Now, Think about Abraham's story, you know, how Abraham um, took his son Isaac and to sacrifice uh, on the mountain uh, based on God's word. And, um, and at the last second, basically God inter intervened and he said, no, I don't want you to do that. I, I, you know, he just gave him the ram to a slaughter instead of his son. Now, the thing is, our Muslim friends, they read the same story, they believe in the same story, they believe in Abraham, and, but according to their understanding, their belief, it wasn't Isaac to be sacrificed. It was Ishmael. Now, if we had only trusted the oral traditions, we would have had a big problem today. I don't think we would have been sitting here discomfortably agreeing on everything based on the Bible and live as um, Christians. So it's in the same way. We believe Jesus died on the cross for our sins. It was him on the cross because he was the sinless son of God. He, it could have been the only him hanging on the cross. No one else. Yet, again, if you talk to our Muslim friends, they will argue with you that it wasn't Jesus on the cross because God loved Jesus so much, he did not want him to go through that agony. It wasn't him. It was Judas Iscariot who betrayed him on the cross. That is what the Muslim teaches Muslims believe. Do you see the difference? So if we don't have the Bible, we really would have a lot of problems. I, I, I dare to say, probably, there wouldn't be Christianity. There wouldn't be Church of God like us sitting here today. So that's why God wanted everything to be written down. And we see that in... In, um, in one of the Old Testament books, Habakkuk 2, it says, Write down the revelation, make it plain on tablets, so that a herald may run with it. For the revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks of the end, 
it will not prove false. That's what God wanted his word to be written down. Also, um, the, uh, when um, our beloved Apostle John, when he received the revelation uh, on the Isle of Patmos, and in Revelation 21.5, that's what God said to him. He said, um, He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. God wanted his word to be written down so that we will, it will carry on the true the truth and trustworthiness of the Word of God, it will never be questioned. Now, earlier on, I mentioned about the um, Muslim friends. Again, I just want to take you there. Islam and atheism, probably two main opposition to Christian faith. Would you agree with that? And you know what? Both of them claims the Bible is not true. So the moment you take out the word of God, just you basically say this is not right, everything crumbles. So I believe it's very interesting that that explains the, the relative success of Islam and atheism in our culture why it is so strong? Because they say, this is not word of God. It's not reliable. You can believe in certain things, but not everything. And Islam definitely says, basically, the, there's a succession. And, um, you know, the God spoke to his people through Moses, and he gave them the Torah. And then later on, Torah has been corrupted. So God, what did God do? God sent David to send the Psalms. And it's been corrupted, it's been corrupted, and eventually the, the Bible has been, the, the New Testament has been corrupted, and the Muhammad came. This is how they, how they see the progress of, um, of the books uh, which was given. They believed God spoke to Moses, they believed God spoke to Jesus, but they don't believe the Bible that we're holding in our hands today is accurate. They think it's been changed. That collapses everything. It just ruins everything. That's if you lose the confidence in the Word of God. Now, as a young boy, I was about 12, and um, um, in, a, in our um, RE lessons, I was brought, I'm Turkish, by the way, and I was brought up in a, as a Muslim. And um, later on in life, I found Christ, or he found me. Um, but um, at the age of 12, in RE lessons, that our teacher, that he was walking up and down the cor uh, corridor, and, and so he was like, I can, I can picture him in my, in my head still. And he said, um, if you believe in Quran, he said, you believe in everything. He said, you can't pick and choose. So those words stuck in my mind. And when I come to, you know, university years while I was studying, and... Um, you know, questioning a lot of things. And I realized there are certain things in Islam, in Quran, I do agree, but there's quite a few things I don't agree. And remembering my teacher's words, it was like, to me, it was like, okay, so I'm not really believing Quran, I sh I'm not really Muslim then. 
So basically, I made a choice. I said, okay, I have my own religion. So I had no idea about, about our faith. I, was, I had no interest in it. But basically, that is what I, what I come to believe. I said, okay, I'm not Muslim then because I'm not believing in everything. So when I come to know, thank you, when I come to know Christ, when I chose to follow him, that was my 100% conviction. The Bible is the true word of God, and everything in it, I believe 100%. There are certain things I don't understand. Don't misunderstand me. I don't have an answer for everything. But from Genesis 1 to Revelation 21, everything in it is right, true, and trustworthy. Now, I want to leave you with a challenge at this precise moment. How much of the Bible do you believe? When you read the Genesis account, do you believe that God created everything out of nothing in six days, and on the seventh day he rested? How about Leviticus? All the details in there. What do you think about those? Malachi, Revelation, or the letters of Paul and Peter, the Gospels. How much of it, when you read the amazing miracles that Jesus performed, do you really think this is, yeah, that's something that's probably, they just put it there just to you know, encourage people. No, they were true. Everything written in the Word of God is true. Well, let me put it that way. I believe everything, every single word is true. And one of the main reasons that the, the Bible is so important that God speaks to us through the Bible. Now, the speaking also is a, it comes with a, I, I'm not just talking about just speaking, I'm talking, I think that carries the, um, concept of relationship, speaking in the sense of like a, in a, in a, a being in a relationship. And, and as you all know, Jesus is described as the living word, meaning whatever he said and um, was and still God speaking to us. So I just specifically want to um, focus on the God speaking to us. And um, now, Remember in the beginning I talked about nothing new. We won't be talking about anything new. In fact, this is not new. This is centuries old. But it is for now. Because it's the Word of God. So in, um, in Greek language, and there are, the Word of God is being um, referred with two Greek words. Uh, probably you heard these uh, two words. One of them is logos. The other one is rhema. And they're both translated into our um, language as words. But uh, there are actually 316 verses, which is in the original uh, language is logos, and 67 verses in the New Testament are rhema. And um, 
I want to go through a few scriptures. I'm going to give lots of scripture things. That if you want to know what they are, just you can um, you can just ask me. But um, like for example, John one one, where uh, we all know very well. In the beginning was the word that is logos. In the beginning was logos, and the logos was with God, and the logos was God, and. When it uh, talks about the sower sowing the, the, uh, the word, that's the logos again. Logos is the general sense, in the general sense, they're, they're covering all written words of God. Okay, so it's in the general sense. It's when we refer to, lo- when we say logos, we're referring to the word of God. So, um, so um, Luke 5 1. So it was as a magistrate pressed about him to hear the logos of God that Jesus stood by the lake of Gennesaret. And um, in Acts, it's used. So now, I'll take you to um, Rhema word, like one of the well-known scriptures. You all really well know probably the um, Romans 10, 17, which says, the faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Rhema of God. Okay. So we said logos is a general word of God, refers to general word of God, but rhema refers to a specific now word of God. Now, see, faith does faith only comes by hearing the word of God. So um, he um, now this explains why. Some people hear the same words, and um, you know, at a meeting they hear the gospel, and some people leave that place saved, renewed from their sins, and some walk away with nothing. They say, "Yeah, that was a good talk, but it doesn't make any difference to them." That is how logos. And Rhema works. We all hear, everyone hears the Logos of God. But when that Logos turns into a Rhema in our lives, it changes us. See, when Jesus was tempted by Satan in, uh, in the wilderness, he counted each temptation by speaking a Rhema word. He spoke rhema word. He didn't just generally, he spoke to that specific situation. He said, he said man shall not live by bread alone, but every rhema of God. So Jesus spoke the word of God into every situation, which turned, then turned that into a, a rhema. So um, there's loads more um, examples of we can uh, go through, but I'm not going to go through with that many of those. And I will, like for example, in the uh, Ephesians 6:17, you know, when the, uh, the armor of God it talks about, you know, when he says, and take the helmet of salvation and sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, you know, the word there is rhema. Going into a spiritual battle is not a general thing. It's, it's not like, oh, yeah, let's go and just, you know, 
to get your sword in your hand, go this way and that way. No, it's a specific situation that you need to have a word which will make a difference in that specific situation. So it could also be different. I mean, I uh, read a story, someone was like, uh, there was a woman that who was, um, um, who was facing a difficulty that her leg to be amputated. And she was, there was obviously some uh, certain... Um, scriptures, healing scriptures that she referred to. And, but while she was actually um, doing her Bible study, and she came across in Psalm 121 and 3, it says, it says there, He will not suffer thy foot to be moved. When she read that, that was to her, it was a rhema word. It's been there. That psalm has been written centuries centuries before but when she read that that was the holy spirit just basically just quickened that word and it just like as she stood on that yes and that was her part of her healing process so basically logos is a a word given generally while rhema is a word given specifically And um, I came across this, a, a guy called Bill Hammond, uh, who's written a book called Prophets and Personal Prophecy, etc. He used this um, terminology. He said, Logos is a well of water, while Rhema is a bowl of water from that well. I think it's a lovely picture. The Logos is the river, is the well, but you get that, you know, for now, you just get that water, fresh water for your situation. That is the rhema. That's the word of God. And um, it's in the same way. He said, like, uh, um, Logos is, is uh, the piano keys, while the rhema is a single key playing. I think it's just a, they're not perfect examples, but it just gives us the idea of, like, how word of God is specifically applied to our lives. And so... It's, I think it's fair to say the written word, the Logos of God, is our foundation. And the word that given specifically, Rhema, is needed for our direction. And the fact is, Rhema and Logos, they never, ever contradict one another. So we need to be aware of that. You know, it's, sometimes it's easy to stretch the uh, verses just to suit to our needs or desires, etc. But, you know, we need to be aware that the rhema and um, the logos, it never um, contradicts to one another. So um, a bit like, it's, it's like a, uh, I always like knowledge and wisdom. You know, there's knowledge available, but the thing to, to know how to, what to do with that knowledge is wisdom, isn't it? It's in the same way. The Logos is there. That's our word. That's, that's given to our dispension that we can use it all the time. And it never, ever changes. The Word of God never changes. But how to use that word to the situation could change from time to time or person to person but they never contradict one another. So, um, so when the Holy Spirit speaks to us, 
He quickens a scripture or a, spe a specific direction. And um, that is what, how rhema becomes real in our lives. And sometimes we may feel uh, reading the Bible is not doing much to us. Um, but this is the reason we are reading the Logos of God, which needs to be quickened by the Holy Spirit so that it could give life to us. Anyone can read this, but unless Holy Spirit's help, unless Holy Spirit comes along with us, remember earlier on I said God speaking to us is the, the concept of a relationship. It's not just a, oh, I read it and that's it, it's, I'm walking away. It's God speaking to us, we're speaking to God. It's in the context of relationship we are talking about these things. And we need to let the Holy Spirit quicken these words that we are reading so that it will become life for us. So, now I want to take you back to Genesis, Genesis 1. I always like doing that. And uh, because I believe Genesis is foundational and for our faith. And um, Genesis 1, 1 to 3 goes like this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. How did God create the world? world? By his word. Yes, he spoke. But I found it quite interesting, that little um, remark on here, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Spirit of God, we we're talking Trinity, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. We can see, actually, all um, three persons of the Trinity in the first two, three verse of the Bible, you know, just the God is speaking and the Spirit of God is hovering and then the, the Word is Jesus. That's, we know that from John 1. And um, so, um, in a way, Holy Spirit is just, He moves on behalf of God. You know, God speaks and it's Jesus and Holy Spirit is waiting there to do something, and the moment God speaks, the Word, who is the Son, who is Jesus, comes out to say, let there be light, and that is what Holy Spirit is waiting. The Word of God, the substance that He's waiting to do something. The moment God speaks, Holy Spirit is there, and boom, the light is there. And every time, God spoke the word, Holy Spirit moved and created things. You know, we say often, you know, it's only God can create things from nothing. But the thing is, God does not create anything from nothing. His substance is the word. Jesus, the Son. He creates, He uses His word to be a substance so that things will be created. And then you see this cycle. The Father speaks. That's the Word of God, who is Jesus. And Holy Spirit grabs hold of that Word and then creates. I call it Trinity Cycle. And it's like a, it's always the situation. And it must be the same for us. This is when God said, 
it's, you know, we are created in his own image. I think this is part of it. We are part of that cycle. We are able to communicate through the Holy Spirit any words coming out of God's mouth. We can bring them into existence. That's why I believe that when it says, when you pray, you know, just believe that you received it. It's because word of God is the substance. When the word of God is the substance of your faith, then things will happen. That is how God works. So the word of God is crucial to us. We cannot do without, we cannot actually have a fruitful life without using the Word of God in the way that God used in the very beginning as an example to us, because we are in His image. So, just to encourage us, and um, in um, <coughs> Joshua, God speaks to Joshua and says this, How far am I? Okay. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. What a promise. You'll be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Everything written in it. Not bits. Everything written in it. Then, ta-ta, this is the climax, you will be prosperous and successful. I want to be successful. I want to be prosperous for God. And that is the key. It's just, just don't turn from it. It's obeying what's in the Bible. And keep this book on your lips. It says, read the Bible. Learn it. Memorize it. Keep it in your, close to your mind, close to your heart. Meditate on it day and night. Deeply think about it. And the thing is, you have Holy Spirit just living right inside of you as a born-again believer that you can tell him if there are things that you don't really understand. It's like, a, well, Holy Spirit, ask Holy Spirit specifically as well. I think we often um, ignore Holy Spirit, the person of Holy Spirit and in the Trinity. We always talk to Jesus and Father, but the Holy Spirit is there. Holy Spirit is there. It's possible to quench Him. It's, uh, you know, so just refer to, talk to Him and ask Him to show you what you're finding difficult. Look, I'm not saying that obeying the Bible is easy. It's not. But what I'm saying, obeying the Bible is the best thing for you and me. And in all those, in all these things, you know, please don't take me. I'm not being legalistic, obey the Bible, do the Bible. It's the, there's a grace of God that carries us through. But that's another topic of sermon. So, but always in all the situations, you will fail. No doubt you will fail doing things. You will try to do your best. 
no worries, just ask God to forgive you and get back to track because God wants to see your heart. When, when God said, to, said about David, King David, a man after his own heart, oh, come on, look at David's mistakes. Goodness me, I mean, he killed people, he adulterated, you know, it's, it's all kind of things. It's like a, many of us, this, this kind of things would be like, no way. It's like it's, we've never been involved in anything like this. But God still called David a man after his own heart. Why? Because he had that conviction, the word of God. That's why he's written. That, that's why God used him mightily, writing the big portion of scriptures. So, um... And also, as you know, in Matthew 7:24, it says, um, "Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine, the logos of mine, and does them, I will liken him to be a wise man who built houses on the rock." It goes in the same line with the being successful, being prosperous. Difficulties will come. That is one of the things about knowing the Word of God and living in the Word of God does to us. When the difficulties come, when the difficult time comes, when the, the storm of life, the hurricanes hits us, we can still stand on the word of God of his promises. Because God promises clearly in his word to look after his children. And the other day, I, was, um, I, I read through the, um, the yearly um, in a chronological Bible, and I've been doing that for years. It's great. And, so, and I came across this. I thought, oh, I must write that one as well. So it's, like a, it's a, a, a right after they come out of Egypt. And God uh, said, if you listen, listen obediently to how God tells you to live in his presence, obeying his commandments and keeping all his laws, then I won't strike you with all the diseases that are inflicted on the Egyptians I am God, your healer. If we want to live in healing of God, I'm not talking about like being uh, sick and then being healed, but it's almost like a, it's a divine health, if you like. You know, I believe we can walk in that path and just believing in God and helping us. And again, but God's grace just cover us all. So, um, and as I said earlier, we need the Holy Spirit to obey what we read. We need Holy Spirit's help. You will have questions. Just ask. And if you don't know what to do, just don't do it, maybe. That's a better way of doing it. Until God makes a clarity to you that that's how you should act in that specific situations. So, um, remember, He wants to reveal His heart to you. He wants to make everything clear to you. So, um, now, this scripture, I think, is just fascinating. In John 14, 21, that's what Jesus said. He that had my commandments and keep them, he is that love me. And he that loves me shall be loved by my Father, and I will love him. And I will manifest myself to him. Now, look, we talk about love. You know, two weeks ago we talked about the love. You know, just it's wonderful. But one of the characteristics of love is obeying Jesus' words. 
if you're not obeying what Jesus says, I'm sorry to say, but I don't think your love is complete. It requires us to understand we are not, I'm not encouraging works. I'm just encouraging the act of devotion and saying, God, I love you. And the way I show that I love you, God, is with my, with my life, with my obedience. And the amazing thing is, he says, Jesus manifests himself when we obey the words of his uh, word of God, when we listen to his commandments, when we oh, it's gone back to the beginning, so I've done half an hour then. So, um, so um, he, he basically reveals himself to us when we obey him. He comes into that situation. He brings peace. Remember when he was in the a storm, and the, the disciples were like, oh, crying out, saying, God, what are we going to do? We're going to die. And our Jesus, in that storm, he's sleeping at the back of the boat, and they just wake him up. And all Jesus does is like, a, just be quiet. And then he brings peace. That is what we need most of the time in our situations. We live in a very turbulent days, turbulent time. Wherever we turn, you turn telly on. There's nothing to inspire you to feel hopeful about the future. But God wants to bring himself. God wants to reveal himself to us. And um, so earlier on I briefly mentioned that you know, reading the Bible, knowing your Bible and obeying it, it helps you for the difficult situations. So, when we focus on God, on His Word, we can see His perspective. We can understand why things are happening in the world, because He shows us, and we can stand against the difficulties that we are facing, because God is well able to look after us in all difficult circumstances. And also, reading the Bible bring certainty and certainty and clarity to our lives in proverbs 3 5 and 6 it says trust in the lord with all your heart do not depend on your own understanding seek his will in all you do and he will show you which path to take God has given us his word to take us into the directions that he wants us to live. He loves us so much. He didn't want to leave us on our own, on relying on the oral traditions of what, what might have happened over the centuries. He has used many people to his word to be written down, his logos. And the thing is, that's not the only thing. He also gave his Holy Spirit to us so that these words would be quickened by the Holy Spirit so that it will bring life to us, it will bring prosperity and success to us. My prayer today is 
that we will all have a desire to read our Bible and listen to what the Bible is, what Jesus is telling us, and ask God to help you to do the things that he's asking you to do. And as I said, whatever I said, I'm 100% sure nothing was new, but I pray and I hope that it was now. So God bless you all.